Thank you for listening to the Maranatha Fellowship Podcast. We hope this message will inspire, challenge, and encourage you to grow closer to Christ. If you're in the Anchorage area, we invite you to be our guest during our morning Sunday worship service at 11 a.m. For directions, or if you would like more information about us, please visit akmaranatha.com. Um, Curtis and Jewel Nestgard are originally from Saskatchewan, Canada, and they came to Alaska as missionaries in the 60s with the Lutheran mission in Cordova, and they oversaw a children's home there uh, for troubled kids. They pastored congregations in Naknek and later here in Anchorage, part of which uh, they served as co-pastors here at Maranatha. And so at one time, not too long ago, they were pastors here. Uh, since then, they've... Um, They've become the liaisons for India Gospel Outreach, helping to see funds get to the place where they need to go. And so uh, Curtis uh, is that link that helps connect churches with India Gospel Outreach and the amazing mission and work that's going on there. I know he'd love to talk about that all day, but I've also asked him if he'd come and uh, share the word with us. And so Curtis, come and share the word. Let's welcome him. Uh, Hallelujah. Well, we're so glad to be here. We love you guys so much. Love your pastor and his wife. I don't know how, if you are aware of how fortunate you are. Are you? Say amen. Yes. Praise God. We just rejoice every time. We get to hear what's going on here. Not necessarily your dirt pile. That's not so much fun. But the end is going to be good. Amen? Hallelujah. Uh, I want to share this morning something that's dear to my heart. Uh, from, from the Gospel of Luke. If you turn to chapter 9 of the Gospel of Luke. We'll start there. We'll get to some other places as we go along. Luke chapter 9 and verse 23. Then he said to them all, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and is himself destroyed or lost? Father, will you bless your people today? God, we're helpless, as Pastor said. We need you desperately. And we know that the word of God is is all things. And so, Lord, we pray that the word will minister to our hearts this morning. And I thank you that you will minister to everyone. Let everyone receive from you, O dear God of heaven. We praise you in Jesus' name. This portion is, uh, you know, it looks, and to some people it's, it's a pretty tough portion. Take up your cross. I hear they, uh, and I think it's misunderstood and we'll get to that, but they think, you know, they got a sickness. They say, that's my cross to bear. 
That isn't what God's talking about. Or burdens. That's not your cross to bear. But he, he and, and then when it says, let him deny himself. That's a toughie. For everybody. And frankly, you can't do it. It's impossible. But God's got a plan. But, but people live by this. They just, they, they stay there their Christian life. And the Bible is so full of promises. <laughs> when the, this comes to me, and I, I want to share it. I was, uh, we, were, we had our first child in Cordova back in the 60s. And uh, 1960, and I, I looked at the world and I said, boy, I wonder if we made a mistake bringing a child into this world as wicked as it is. And the lady who was the head of a, the home there where we worked, she said, Curtis, what is the matter with you? All the promises of God are on your side. Take my change. But that's true, folks. All the promises of God are on our side. And God has promised that the kingdom of God, the kingdom is this, righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. That's the kingdom. If you've come to Jesus Christ, that's where you have come. And God blesses us with peace and joy. And it's not a labor. And and, and where he says here... Uh, if you save your life, you're going to lose it. I mean, the practical sense of this should jerk our chain and say, well, this is it. But God has blessed us. For what is a profit of man if he gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Uh, we, we know that. But what's God talking about here? It's not a heavy load. If we go to Matthew, and you don't have to go there, but uh, Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, he said, my yoke is easy. Take my yoke upon you. My yoke is easy and my burden is light and you'll find rest to your souls. There's a rest that come to the people of God that is really a rest, people. It's, it's a quietness. It's a calm that, that's just wonderful. But the, the, it, it, uh, how do you get there? <laughs> a couple of weeks ago, we went in church on Wednesday night, and this guy comes over and gets down in front of me, and he said, Curtis, if you go before I do, will you give me your joy when you leave? I said, well, you can have it now. God's got it. He said, my joy, my Jesus' joy. You hear this? this is, he's talking to us. My joy I give to you. That your joy might be full. How is full? What happens when you get full of joy? It runs over. It runs over. You can see it. And you express it. God is God. And, and, and it's not just for happiness is nice, but that's for happenstance. Joy is the joy of God. And how does it come? And it, you know, I... This guy, this situation where he, and in our men's Bible study the next, next day or on Saturday after that, one of the guys sitting beside me said, well, I've got the joy of the Lord, but I don't have joy like you do. Well, I said, you can have it. You know, it's not mine. Uh, folks, everybody isn't walking where they should be walking. And just, they've got it. 
God called us all to live in joy and peace and self-control. God's given that to us. And, and yet, many don't see it. And, and this brother that sat beside me on Sunday morning said, but I struggle. I said, folks, the struggle's done. Jesus finished this. Jesus finished this. Woo! This isn't something that we struggle for. You can't do it. It's, it you, you get played out. And, and it's, it's worse. But it's, it's amazing to me when you see how the Apostle Paul said in, in, in Galatians. And, and you might look at this verse. I hope you've got it underlined. Uh, the, the, uh, Galatians 6.14. What, what, what was Paul's view of the cross? He said, God forbid that I should glory except in the cross of Christ Jesus my Lord, by whom, listen now, by whom the world is crucified to me and I to the world. There was a cutoff when we came to Christ. God did something. And, and you see the Apostle Paul, you think of him, you remember him, him and Silas? When they got down there and they got thrown in jail because they were preaching and they got in trouble? And there at midnight, sitting in, with their feet in stocks, they're singing. Folks, that wasn't a ritual. That isn't something they saw in their book that they had to do. That was something that come from the heart. That's amazing, isn't it? I mean, I'm amazed at that. And, and, and you could have example of, example of people all over. Missionaries that are dying today. Some of our people are giving their lives for Christ. India has become number 10 as far as the worst place to be a Christian, the hardest place to be a Christian. Uh, uh, it, you know, earlier on, one of our guys, they said, if you don't renounce Christ, we're going to cut your arm off. He said, I'm not going to renounce Christ, and they cut his arm off. And they said, okay, we're Renounce Christ, or we'll cut your other arm off. He said, no, he wouldn't renounce. They cut both his arms and both his legs off. And he died, of course. But he wouldn't renounce Christ. He gave his life. It's amazing, isn't it? But folks, we can't do these things ourselves. Self is a... <laughs> I heard two, pa- two fairly well-known pastors in the last couple of weeks and they said something that grieves me. They said, I'm my own biggest trouble. Well, I can understand that if you haven't been to the cross. But if you've been to the cross, Paul said, I've been crucified with Christ. God forbid that I should glory, that I should shout about anything, that I should boast about anything except the cross of Christ. Because God crucified me there and cut me off from the world. You know what he's saying? What is the world? John says the world is the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of the life. Pride of life. Wouldn't you like to have that cut off? Well, God did that when you come to Christ. You say, I don't feel it. Well, let's get off the feelings and believe the word. Amen? Let's believe the word. I mean, it's tremendous that you could not be selfish. Ooh. 
you know, I think people think it's kind of a humility to say, you know, I'm, I'm my own biggest trouble. That's not humility. That's unbelief. You don't believe what God said. Folks, rejoice in what God said. God said, I'm crucified with Christ. You know what Paul said that in 1 in, in Corinthians, uh, flip there, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, and it's, you know it, and I shouldn't have to read it, but I want to read it for sure. The, verse 17 says, For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. For the message of the cross is foolishness to them who perish. But unto us who are being saved, it is the power of God. The cross. And, and you know, in Galatians he said, by whom? So we're not talking about a wooden cross. We're talking about Jesus who died on the cross. The blood that was shed, the blood that Hebrews said sanctifies us. And, and our world is so afraid to, to, ex, to express the, the great, maybe they don't even know it, but they, to express the greatness of what Christ has done. Our salvation, this incredible thing that God has done in us when we came to Christ. It's a bigger miracle than you know happened, and I know happened, and it gets bigger the longer I live, and I've been saved 67 years now. When I first got saved, I wondered how this would go, you know, that long. But I want to tell you, it's better now than it was then. And I was a happy camper when I got saved. I was on cloud nine. I don't know what cloud I'm on now. But but it, but it stays. Folks, I want, I want us to know. Somebody said, well, tell me about this joy because everybody where we live doesn't have it. I'm sorry. But tell me about it. I said, well, I can't explain it. It's just, it just stays in there. You know, and yes, yeah, sad things happen and we get, we get burdened about things that happen. But as soon as you reflect on what God has done, that he has changed us, he has washed us, we're clean, we're born again, we know that word, but do you know all that goes with it? That God did this. And so I said to the brother, "Don't." he said, well, uh, I struggle, I said, my flesh, you know, I said, forget your flesh. The Bible says that if, we're not in the flesh, but in the spirit. Do you believe that? We're not in the flesh. Yes, the devil tempts us, doesn't he? Oh, yeah. He tempts you to be selfish. He tempts you to worry about your idea that somebody didn't grab a hold of, you know. But realize that's a temptation because God, when you got saved, God cut you off. Cut, cut that off. But we need to walk by faith. When he says in the second chapter of Galatians, he said, I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I that live, but Christ that liveth in me. And the life I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God. I live by faith. John says, faith is the victory that overcomes the world. We can believe what God said, and then we get what God provided. You know, when I found that out, 
it's been Hallelujah Street ever since. It has. And people say, well, you're crazy. It's just, you got it easy. Yeah, I got it easy now. I'm, you know, I don't do anything except preach. And, you know, and, and I don't have to work and I don't have to take care of kids and all that kind of stuff. But the peace of God has, you know, <coughs> life hasn't been always roses. <coughs> when uh, our oldest daughter went away to college, uh, some of you have heard this before, but she backslid terrible. That liked to kill me. People advised me to get out of the ministry because my daughter wasn't living for God. And, and it was terrible. You know, what are you going to do? You can't make 20-year-olds do anything. You have a hard time with two-year-olds, don't you? But you're responsible for them, at least. But, you know, Jewel and I said at that time, we're going to go to heaven and we're going to enjoy the trip whether anybody goes with us or not. And God's been faithful. And she came back to the Lord and She's living for God. But you'll run into stuff. But God is faithful. I, I just love it. When he says that the cross, the preaching of the cross is the power of God. Rest on that. You can trust the cross. We can trust the cross. We can trust Christ. He died for us. And he, he cut off these things. It's the power of God. <laughs> And at the end of at the end of the second chapter of Galatians, there where he said, I, "I'm crucified with Christ." He said, "I do not frustrate the grace of God. I don't frustrate the grace of God." If God said it, I believe it. Woo! I'm just going to run with that. I'll just keep that going. The devil comes and said, "Oh, blah 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 blah." But Ephesians six sixteen, you know it so well, don't you? Above all, talking about the armor. He said, above all, taking the shield of faith that you can quench every fiery dart. There'll be fiery darts. There'll be oodles of them. People will go ahead of you in the grocery store. Yeah. God's just running a little test. How you doing? Somebody cuts you off. I don't know if they do that up here, but cuts you off on the highway. Yeah, give him a, no, he can't hear you. Don't say it. And just say, Lord, thank you. I, I've done that to people myself. You know, God has given us the wherewithal to live above ourselves. This is the, that Christ lives in us. Can we grab a hold of that? That Christ lives in us. That's what it's all about. And if he lives in us, He's going to do what he does if we'll let him. And so, but he gives us grace. You know, it's in, in our gospel of Luke here where we're at, that we have to, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself. That has built up such a big thing in the minds of people that that's, that's a tough thing. We need to know that that's possible. And that God has done it. And we need to believe it. It isn't we strive to it. You know, listen, if we believe that we're dead, that's what Romans said, count yourself dead, reckon yourself dead. If we believe we're dead, 
that connect this, if you will. If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily. What's the cross? The cross killed you. We died. Now, if you believe you're dead, what do dead people do? I, I, I like the story I heard. This guy died, and his, uh, they asked his wife, uh, what, what could we do? And she said, oh, he loved money. Just, just go and put money on his chest. And so they did. They went and they put money, money. And one guy was a little savvy, and he stood at the back and watched all this happen. And uh, when everybody got through, he went up and he counted the money and wrote a check and put the check on the guy's chest. And, and the guy didn't care. He was dead. Are you dead? Woo! Hallelujah. God has done this, folks. This is what God did for us. And it remains the same. He said, take up your cross. Bring it to remembrance every day. The wonder of the cross. The wonder that God has done this. And I don't have to fuss with it. I don't frustrate the grace of God. When I think of frustrating the grace of God, I, I think of Abraham. And, the, and I'm not blaming him. <laughs> God promised him a son, and he was 25 years in providing it. And so Abraham got, well, his wife got in the act, and, and they had Hagar, you know, and they got Ishmael. He frustrated the grace of God. God said, that is what I wanted. I wanted Isaac. And Abraham, and you could feel this, Abraham said, oh, that Ishmael would live for you. trying to make our flesh do something that God said it can't do. So God blesses us with his, his victory. Romans 12, you know it so well. Present your bodies a living sacrifice. The only way we can do that is by faith, folks. We can't handle it. We can't give ourselves. It just, isn't, it just doesn't work. But it's amazing, and it was amazing to me. When this first happened to me, I'll tell you, I was amazed it, that I believed and God picked up the tab. You know, he took these things. I didn't want to get long here, but, you know, after I was saved, I was a terrible, lustful guy before I got saved. And I was just a mess in many ways, but that was part of it. But after I was saved, I never touched another woman. I never, you know, but I was troubled, you know, temptations, and not just women, but other temptations, selfishness, selfish ideas, you know. But when I saw that God had done this and believed it, I was free. Not that there aren't temptations, but they aren't like they were, you know, there was no, there's no struggle anymore. Because I know God said, I can quench every fiery dart. So it's like Jesus, he just quote the word, and it's over. It's not a big deal. The devil isn't as big as he used to be. 
He's gotten smaller because the Word of God. And, and here that happened to little old me. And it's for you too. It's the same gospel that Christ, and I know some of you got it, but, but some of you probably aren't living in all the joy you should have. And you should live all the peace you should have. God has given to us, and, and so it's it's a marvelous thing. So, and I, I then we're ready for service. When we get this straightened out, when we get self out of the road, you know, fruit of the spirit is self control. Wonderful thing, God gives you, and 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 then we're ready for service. And I wanted to read uh, a, a story. I uh, it'll take me about ten minutes. Is that okay? It's a it's a some of you have heard this before, but a missionary came to Alaska several years ago, a missionary from Africa, and, and he gave this account. And it, it was so moving, and I want you to think of all the things that this involves, of how, the, how, how that fits in with, with taking up your cross daily and following him. But uh, it was Dr. Lovick, and, and he said that this is the best way, uh, as, as we recalled it, uh, early in Dr. Lover's missionary service in, in Zaire, Africa, the Lord hands so plainly worked in this that he, he shared this. This is Dr. Lovick. While back in the United States on furlough, my wife and I were speaking in a little Kentucky mountain church. After the morning service, an obviously very poor, aged beyond years sharecropper came up to me and said, the Lord told me to give you my pickup so that you can get, get it to use the kind of vehicle you need in your work in the jungles in Africa. It isn't much, but it's all I got. I thanked him, and he insisted I come over to his place to see the pickup. This I did, and later in the evening service, he again emphasized that I was to take that old rundown pickup on the morrow before I left. After the service, the pastor was made uh, was beside himself as he explained to me that the farmer had that pickup as his sole possession, and he owned nothing else. He worked all, all his life on his landlord's land and couldn't even afford a Sunday suit of clothes. He'd been a particular heathen up until just a few weeks ago when he'd gotten saved. The pastor continued, you shouldn't accept this gift. It's, he's just an overjoyed new Christian. <laughs> Give us a carload of them. And he doesn't have good sense. Without the pickup, his wife and he will have to cart their groceries miles to their place. It will work a terrible hardship on his family. I told the pastor I hadn't planned on taking the pickup and that I was planning to leave very early the next morning and would simply miss him. Early the next morning at 4.30 a.m., I went out to leave only to run into the farmer. He said, I figured you'd try to get away without the pickup. God said he has need of it. And so here are the keys and the title signed over to you. With that, I took the old worn pickup and drove on home to Norfolk, Virginia area where we were packing everything to ship over to Africa. A couple of weeks later, having shopped for the last groceries, we were in the left turn lane in heavy traffic when the old pickup died and wouldn't start. Right across the street was a car dealership and out in front was this bright red Jeep. My wife exclaimed, the Lord said that it's our Jeep to take to Africa. <laughs> That's kind of bad. Not willing that God spoke to women. <laughs> I, I tried to discourage her, explaining my doubt that the Lord wanted that Jeep and that we needed to get going. 
all this time the pickup wouldn't start. <laughs> Finally, I agreed to just look at it. And with that, the pickup started up, and traffic opened up for us to pull over to the side of the road and enter the dealer's parking lot. My wife insisted I bargain for the red Jeep, so to keep peace in the family, I asked, how much do you want for that red Jeep? I expected he would give me a ridiculous high number, which we wouldn't have, and that would be the end of it. Uh, He said, well, there hasn't been much call for these red Jeeps. It's the first year that we've uh, come out in that color. We have reduced the price to $2,000. Now, when we came to Alaska, we bought a car for $2,000 before we came back in 59. Uh, So that's where we're at as far as prices. Uh, What do you have to offer? Uh, We were in his office and I said, we have that pickup over there and $1,400. The salesman shook his head and was about to refuse the offer. When I noticed the owner's name on a plaque above him, I interrupted him and asked, is that the owner? The salesman said, yes, but he's in New York right now. And I replied, He and I went to college together. Call him and see if he'll accept the offer. The salesman did only to find out the owner was out and would be gone for hours. I said, we'll be back and and get a bite to eat, and we'll go and get a bite to eat, and we'll be back at 4 o'clock. As we pulled back into the dealer's parking lot, the salesman came out wagging his head. I remarked to my wife, Martha, see, he can't even wait to tell me we can't have the Jeep. Look how he's shaking his head. As we got out of the... uh, car, the, uh, out of the pickup, the salesman said, now I know there are two crazy people in the world. My owner has just accepted your offer. The Jeep is yours. We picked up the Jeep and drove it right to the dock, be loaded on a ship. We left the next day for Africa. Several months later, the Lord impressed on me that I was to go to the far reaches of the jungle in the Seir to the Motumu Makulu tribe. In great excitement, I went to one of my native pastors and told him what the Lord had told me. Now, his immediate reaction was, no way. The Lord may have told you, but he hasn't told me. Those are the dirtiest, savage people alive. They wipe themselves with their hands on their bodies. They never wash. They torture their enemies. No, I will not go. You can go alone. I replied, before we make that decision, let's go and pray. We entered the church reluctantly, and after several hours, he emerged so on fire to go that even the preparations to go seemed a hindrance. We set off through the jungle with the red jeep through the trails were hardly discernible. Uh, The third night, we were settling down to sleep in the jeep when we heard a movement out in front. I turned the flashlight on and saw a large male lion coming up the trail toward us. He stopped when I turned on the flashlight. I turned to my now near pale black African pastor and asked him what we should do. He replied, he didn't know, but we should pray that we not be the, the lion's meal. So we prayed. I flashed the car lights. The lion took another step toward us. The now trembling pastor said, don't do anything else or he might come closer. I also trembling shouted and the lion took another step forward. Then I honked the horn, flashed the light and shouted and finally the lion backed off the trail and disappeared in the jungle. We didn't sleep that night. After traveling five days, we came to the large river crossing and drove down the muddy bank. On the opposite shore stood the savage warriors of the Motumba Makulu tribe and their spears and their arrows ready. The Lord said, take off your pistol and leave it in the jeep. This I did, and I told my pastor to stay very still 
as we got out of the Jeep, and as I got out, I picked up my Bible and held it in my hand. The fierce leader approached us and looked back and forth at the two of us. We were prepared to die for our Lord and almost expected to momentarily when the leader brushed past us to stand by the Jeep. He took out a long machete knife and with one blow chopped the coconut in two. He dug into the center of the nut and pulled out a beetle. He then wiped away the cake mud from the fender of the red Jeep and placed the beetle on the fender. He put his hands to his mouth and called out loudly to right and to the left and straight forward in his language. It is them! It is them! It is them! At that, men, women, and children rushed across the river to us. As they surrounded us, we asked, what is going on? The chief then stated, three years ago, an old woman was visited by the living God who told her that he would send messengers to us and tell us about him. They would be two men, one black and one white, carrying a little black book that told about him, and that they would come on a four-wheeled bicycle that was the color of the red beetle found in the center of the coconut. So I looked at the beetle, and as we looked, the color of the jeep and the beetle were so matched you could not tell where the beetle stopped, and the jeep began. The chief continued, Tell us about the living God. We being very tired and the day nearly over said, Please, let us get a night's rest and we will tell you, for we have been traveling many days and are tired. The chief replied, No, you tell us now. We have been waiting three years. You must tell us now. So for three days we read the Bible to them and nonstop changing off between us as one's voice would get hoarse. At the end of the reading, we gave an invitation. All who would like to receive, uh, like to receive Jesus as their Savior and be baptized, please step forward. The entire tribe stepped forward. We told them to stand back and explain, no, only those who believe in Jesus as the Son of God are to step forward. Again, every man, woman, and child stepped forward. We pleaded, no, you don't understand. At which the chief raised his hand for silence and said, we do understand. And we all believe and wish to be baptized. And so through the faithful, selfless gift given by an old poor farmer and the faithfulness of the Lord, the entire tribe came to the Lord. But the Lord's work did not stop there. After several years, we were again back in that Kentucky Mountain Church and the farmer's widow came up to us with the following testimony. After George gave away our only possession, the pickup, I knew it would be hard, but I was so grateful for the Lord's work in my husband's life as a new Christian. I resolved not to discourage him. Shortly after you left, he walked into town to get a haircut. While waiting, a couple of the guys were poking fun at him, declaring the stupidity of a guy to give away all that he had to the Lord and put himself out on the street walking everywhere. The fellow in the chair getting his haircut said, where is this fellow? I'd like to meet him. They all laughed, and the barber said, that's him right over there. The fellow took my husband with him to the largest dealership in Virginia, which he owned, and had him pick out a pickup we wanted and gave it to him free. Next, the Lord just began to, to bless everything, whatever my husband's hand would touch. We became so prosperous that we bought the farm free and clear 
that we had sharecropped all our lives. The Lord caused enough income to come in that we had a lot of money laid aside in the bank before the Lord came and took my husband to be with him. And now I'm taken care of in my old age by the faithfulness of our Lord. God's still calling people. We're in his family. And there's others out there who haven't heard. I love this story. So ridiculous. And God just does ridiculous stuff. (laughs) I'm proof of that. It's amazing what God does. And God may be calling you. Maybe not today. Maybe he's been at it for a while talking to you about something. Maybe it's giving. Maybe it's something personal. But hear it. God does. If the Holy Spirit's speaking to us, they that are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. We're it. God hasn't got anybody else. And he wants to do things like this in our lives. And he's doing it in your life. Let me say again, giving here at Harvest, uh, at Maranatha, you're doing great things, not only in India, but I don't know how many missions you're involved with. But when God prompts you, please, will you listen? Because great things happen with little beginnings. And God wants us. And, and, as we walk in the freedom and the joy of the Lord, the more you rejoice in the Lord, express it, get it out. Don't just have joy down inside me. Let it out. I love brother this morning. He got me shouting as soon as he started singing. No noise, isn't it? But it's that heart that just bubbles because God has washed us clean. Not only that, he said he made us kings and priests. I don't know what all that means. But it's big. And I'm for it, aren't you? God said it. I believe it. And God wants us. So let me urge you. If any man desires to come after me, let him deny himself. Take up his cross daily. The powerful cross of Christ that enables us, that we can do when we read of the, what happened in the scriptures. Yeah, we're that family. God can do that with us and through us and with us. Amen? Aren't you glad? If God's touched your heart about anything, move with God, will you? Move with God. Because he's, if you're born again, he's in you. And that voice you hear, that thought you have, God's calling. The Holy Spirit's leading us. What a privilege. What a glory. Are you thrilled with Jesus? Yeah. That's pretty weak. Are you thrilled with Jesus? Does he? I, you, uh, <laughs> thank you, brother. But uh, 
you know what I'm, think about that. Are we thrilled with him? Is this the thing of our life that thrills us? When we get up in the morning, when we go to bed at night, when we got trouble with the neighbor, when we got trouble with our truck, when we got trouble with our wife or our husband, whatever the case is. But he's the thrill. He remains the thrill of our life. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Pastor, please come. Amen. Why don't we stand together? We're, we're almost done, but I, I do want to give us an opportunity to respond. Maybe we could turn the house lights down a little bit. And um, I was thinking as you're talking, uh, Pastor, about the little boy who gave his lunch away. I, I didn't think about this before, but when he gave his lunch away, that meant for him he wasn't going to get to eat it probably. And when he gave it to Jesus, it got bigger and more significant and remembered forever. Some of us wouldn't be willing to miss a lunch if it meant we'd have to give it away. And I, I just hope that today we'll think along the lines of um, everything's better in God's hands, better in his hands than in ours. And so I wonder if you might respond. Maybe the Lord's speaking to you in a very specific way today. I'd like to give you an opportunity to come to the altar if you'd like to spend a few moments at your at your seat and make that a private dedication. But before we go... Let's take opportunity today just to say, Lord, whatever I have is yours. In fact, my life is not my own. It's yours. Our lives are not our own. We've been bought with a price. And so it's his. Sometimes we forget that. Like, honor God. I'm going to honor God with my life. Well, if we're really technical about it, it's not our life anymore. It's his. And so we need to respond in that way. And maybe some of the selfishnesses will begin to fall off as we we look at it that way. So these altars are open. Maybe you've never made a decision to follow Jesus, your Lord and Savior. Would you, would you say, Tim, Lord, be, be merciful to me, a sinner, for Jesus' sake. And uh, God will respond in a beautiful way to that kind of prayer if you pray it sincerely. All right. So the altars are open. If you'd like to come pray a prayer of dedication, uh, let's do that. What if today we could just say to the Lord and, and really do it, say, Lord, I'm giving away my triggers, my complexes, my fears, my joys, my trophies, my sin, my plans. Right? We really said that and we really meant it. Like there's an ideal you in God. You know what I mean? That's where... What the ideal you is, is something that looks like Christ. He doesn't strike your personality away. You become the person you're supposed to be when you're fully in God. You know that? You're still going to have your personality, but it's going to be, it's going to be the sanctified you. It's going to be the Christ-like you. And that's going to be a beautiful thing. So could we just, uh, as, we, as we go, this is our closing prayer. Lord, take it all. We pray. Everything crucified, everything you from now on. Help us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. No 242 tonight. Um, That'll be next week. If you haven't yet joined, please see someone. Thank you, Pastor Curtis, for sharing this morning. God bless you and the work in India as well. Amen. See you all later. 
Thank you for joining us today. If this ministry has impacted you, we would love to hear about it. You're welcome to message us at akmaranatha.com forward slash contact or message us on Facebook at Maranatha Full Gospel Fellowship. We pray you are blessed by the message and have a wonderful week.